The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning. A little programming problem there, but not a big issue. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, my guest today, we have got a program that's packed with a lot of information, and we hope that it will be information that's both educational and informative. That's a favorite guest of ours that first and foremost, right on the top of the hour, really, Kurt Zornowski with Zornowski Consulting. He's the president and the founder. He always does a good job because he leads us out looking at Social Security and what has changed. Mr. Zornowski, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Happy New Year to you and uh, all your listeners. First time on for me this year, and hope it'll be a good year for everyone. Well, I hope so, too. It's been so far, we've had an up and a down in the market. We've had a ice storm in Memphis. So, you know, I guess all we're looking at is we're looking for summertime. That's the bottom line. Sweet time and summertime. There you go. I'll settle for spring. Yes. Okay. I hear you. Uh, Kurt, there is so much going on, and you always do a good job of helping us get through this idea of what has changed. So let's start out just very quickly with the maximum taxable earnings. What's going on there? Yeah, so it's important to note, you know, I always like to remind listeners, one of the hallmarks of the Social Security program through its now over 86-year history is the benefits that are paid are an earned right. You qualify for benefits because you worked and paid into the Social Security program, or a parent or a spouse has worked and paid into the Social Security program. And the level of earnings that you've had does impact how much you're able to collect from Social Security. So each year, there is a maximum level of earnings upon which Social Security payroll tax is imposed. Now, you work in a job covered under the Social Security program, you will pay a 6.2% Social Security tax. It'll be matched by your employer. Now, in addition to that 6.2%, you will pay a 1.45% Medicare hospital insurance tax, also matched by your employer. Now, back in the day, there used to be no difference between the level of earnings that both the Social Security tax and the Medicare tax were imposed. But since the early 90s or so, there's been, they've been de- decoupled. And so each year, there's a maximum level of earnings upon which you will pay that 6.2% Social Security payroll tax. 2021, for example, you paid that 6.2% on the first $142,800 that you made. Anything you made above that, you would not pay the Social Security payroll tax, but you'd continue to pay a 1.45% Medicare tax on every dollar that you earned. This year, that tax is imposed on the first $147,000 that you happen to make. Again, matched by your employer. And if you happen to be self-employed, you have the privilege, as I always say in air quotes, of paying the combined employer-employee rate. Now, the important thing to note is this. As I mentioned, there's a relationship between your work and your earnings and what you collect each month from Social Security. 
And Social Security calculates your benefit by averaging your 35 highest years of work under the program. Now, they do go back and adjust prior years for inflation, but once they've done that, they pluck out and average the highest 35 years of work that you happen to have to calculate your benefit. Well, the important note, Jim, is that in calculating your benefit and looking at your earnings, Social Security only gives you credit, if you will, for earnings that you had had up to that maximum taxable level of earnings for each year. So, for example, this year you make a half a million dollars. Well, you're only going to pay that Social Security tax in the first 147000 as I mentioned. So when it comes time to calculate your benefit and average your earnings, Social Security won't average in that half a million dollars total. No, they'll average in this year $147,000. So this taxable maximum figure, it's important to know what it is each year because anything you make above that, you're not going to pay Social Security tax on. But you're also not going to get, again, air quotes here, credit for any earnings above that figure in calculating your eventual Social Security benefit. So, Kurt, when we think about this, and that, that's a change, and they're looking at Social Security and Medicare taxes, what about the earnings needed to secure? You know, we used to think about 40 quarters, and, and you know, you had to work a full quarter, but now it's changed. So help us understand, is that number also going up for this Absolutely. year? Absolutely. So, yeah, history lesson back in the day when the program started, 1935, you would get coverage and protection under Social Security by earning what were then called quarters of coverage, or QCs was the abbreviation, and you would get a quarter of coverage under the Social Security program if you worked in a job covered under Social Security and if you made at least $50 during a calendar quarter of the year. Now, there were four calendar quarters in the year, if you made $50 in each one of those four quarters, you would earn your four quarters of coverage towards Social Security protection. Well, in 1978, Congress changed the law, made it a lot easier for people to get coverage and protection under the Social Security program, moved away from this calendar-driven system. So now you earn coverage under Social Security not by accruing quarters of coverage, but by earning what are called Social Security credits. And you earn credits not based on when you happen to work, but based on the total amount of earnings that you happen to have during a calendar year. 1978, that first year of credits, you would get one Social Security credit that year for each $250 that you happen to make in a job covered under Social Security. Now, you could earn no more than four credits during a calendar year, but it meant that year, for example, if you had earnings of $1,000 or more, you would earn your four Social Security credits, and you could earn it with as little as one day of work, for example. So it made it a lot easier because under the old quarter of coverage system, you needed to work during all quarters of the year to get your maximum of four uh, quarters of coverage. But now you can earn credits Again, not based on when you work, but based on the dollar amount of earnings that you have. So with the passage of time, the amount required to accrue a Social Security credit has grown. 2021, for example, you get one credit for each $1,470 that you made. This year, the figure is one credit for each $1,510 that you made. Now, 
The important thing is you don't have to accrue four credits in any calendar year. You can't earn more than four. But what it means is this year you have earnings of $6,040 or more throughout the course of the year in a job, again, covered under Social Security. You'll earn your four credits for the year 2022. And the bottom line, Jim, is once you have accumulated 40, 40 quarters of coverage and or credits, they all count, which, if you think about it, is the equivalent of 10 years of work under the system. Well, the great news for you is you've got your foot in the door. You are, in terms of the law, insured for a Social Security benefit, and you will absolutely positively be entitled to collect something when the time comes down the road. 40 Social Security credits and or quarters of coverage, again, the equivalent of 10 years of work, you're always going to be getting something from Social Security down the road. Now, how much that's going to be, again, that's going to depend on what your earnings have been. But to get that 40 credits and or quarters of coverage, that gets your foot in the door. And so the thing is, with that big change in 1978, it made it a lot easier for people to get coverage and protection under Social Security. Because, again, prior to that, you needed to work throughout the entire year. But now, for example, here in Massachusetts, school teachers aren't covered under the Social Security program. They pay into the Mass Teachers Retirement System. Well, now, though, if you're a school teacher, you're off for the summer, you work in a job covered under Social Security, say at a day camp or something like that. Well, back in the old days, with that same amount of work, July and August, you'd get one Social Security quarter of coverage because you were working in that job only in one quarter of the year. But now, again, you can get your four credits, again, with as little as one day of work, depending on the total amount of earnings that you have. Again, this year, you have earnings of $6,040 or more in a job covered under Social Security or jobs total. You're going to get your four Social Security credits for this year. And again, as I keep harping on it, with 40 credits and or quarters of coverage in the bank, you're good to go and you'll always get something every month from Social Security. Well, that's that's the key, I think, is understanding that. That's so important for people to, to grasp what's going on. Let me ask you a question. This is a question that came in from a listener. And I think it's an important question because it's one of those thoughts about, can I redo if I chose to start at 62? I don't, I don't need it. I wish I had not done that. Can they start over and say, pay money back and, and get to redo this at 67 or 68? Is that a possibility today? Sure, that's a great question. It comes up all the time. Well, what happens if I change my mind? And here's another area where the law changed, but this time probably about 10 or 11 years ago. Back in the day, if someone had changed his or her mind about collecting Social Security benefits, they always had the option of exercising the AKA do-over. Now, the technical term was that they would then withdraw <coughs> excuse me, the application that they had filed with Social Security and say, it changed my mind, I want to do this over. Social Security would figure out how much the person had collected, and all they would need to do would be to repay any benefits they had okay, received. The to... key thing was Social Security didn't charge interest, so you only repaid the principal. But once that check had cleared, it was if that earlier application had never occurred and the person was completely free to reapply for benefits at a later date, and their ongoing payment rate would be based not on what that initial application date was, but it would be based on the date of the subsequent application. 
Well, if you think about it, Jim, and I think we've talked about this, if you peel away the onion a little bit, with that unlimited ability to change your mind, a lot of people recognize that they could apply for benefits, collect, 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 go back to Social Security some period of time later and say, I changed my mind. And Social Security, again, would say, fine, they'd repay only the principal. And the person, if you think about it, would, in essence, have received an interest-free loan from the Social Security system for this period of time. So struck the commissioner of Social Security back then is wrong. So they tightened up the rules. So these days, you file for benefits, start to collect. You still have the opportunity to withdraw your application, repay any benefits that had been received without interest being charged, and then reapply at a later date, but only if you choose to do so within 12 months of collecting benefits. So bring it back to that original intention that if you did legitimately change your mind about retirement, you had a way to get out of it. So again, this is since the end of 2010, you've got this one-year window in which you can withdraw your application, repay any benefits you'd received, and reapply at a later date. But I also like to remind folks, and I think I've talked about it in the show before, so you're in a situation where you start to collect at age 62 or at any point, you're getting that lower amount, collect, 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 more than 12 months go by, and then it dawns on you, yeah, maybe I made a mistake. I should have waited. Well, unfortunately, if you've been collecting for more than 12 months' time, you no longer have that ability to withdraw the application, repay, and reapply. But I always like to remind folks, one of the options that are out there today under the rules is if someone has reached his or her full retirement age, key concept under the program, full retirement age depends on your year of birth. If you're born in 1956, for example, it's when you turn 66 years and four months. But once you've reached your full retirement age, one of the options you have under the program is to request what is called voluntary payment suspension. You can call up Social Security and essentially just ask for a timeout. Say, I'd like you to stop my benefits for a period of time. Why is that important? Well, Jim, as we talked about in the program previously, if you opt to defer collecting monthly payments at any point past your full retirement age, well, then you accrue what are called delayed retirement credits, and your monthly payment amount gets increased by two-thirds of a percent for each month that you opt not to collect. Okay, Kurt, let me, let me stop you for a second. percent per year increase, but you don't have to not collect for a full year. But you can request that voluntary payment suspension after full retirement age, then begin to accrue delayed retirement credits and grow that benefit amount by that two-thirds percent per month, 8% per year, for as long as you opt not to collect, right up until the time you turn age 70. Perfect, perfect. Let me take a break. We'll come back in just a second. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski or Zarnowski Consulting. The views and opinions expressed are those of Kurt Zarnowski only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. My guest is Kurt Zarnowski, president and founder of Zarnowski Consultants. We're talking about Social Security. Kurt, we have time for one more question, sir. Big question for a lot of people. 
Retirement earnings, the tax-exempt amount for 2022, sir. Sure. And again, this is an important area, Jim, where you need to know what your Social Security full retirement age is, because under the rules of the program, if you're under your full retirement age looking to collect benefits and work at the same time, you need to understand that you're limited in how much you can earn before Social Security starts to impact your benefit payments. And this year, you're allowed to make up to 19000 $560 without any loss of benefits. You make more than that doesn't mean you can't necessarily collect at all, but Social Security is required to hold back $1 in benefits for every $2 that you're over the threshold. So what counts? It's earned income, wages and or net income from self-employment. Under that, you can collect full payments all 12 months of the year. Over that, depending on how much you're making, you may not be able to receive benefits even if you choose to. But the good news, Jim, and we talked about this before, from the month you reach your full retirement age on, there's no longer any earnings limitation imposed whatsoever, and you can work and earn as much as you'd like and collect full Social Security benefits at the same time. But this year, under full retirement age, you can make up to 19560 without any loss of benefits. Wow, that's uh, that is always great information. I want to I want to have you back. We'll come back again. You always do a great job for us, sir. A lot of information. Kurt Zarnowski, founder and president of Zarnowski Consultants. I want to remind you, you can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast if you want to go back and listen to what Kurt's been telling us through this whole program. Always great to have you, sir. Stay warm. You too. Happy spring, hopefully. Hey, sometime this year, I hope. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. That's Kurt Zarnowski again. Kurt Zarnowski is the president and founder of Zarnowski Consultants. We always have him on the program about three, four, five times a year because he talks about twenty what's going on with Social Security this year, 2022. And there's several changes. You'll want to go back and listen to that uh, just simply because it is information that is just foundational to any type of retirement planning you do. You're going to always know that part of that three-legged stool that we talk about a lot on the program, Social Security is part of that stool. Of course, the other two parts is the other is the side of your personal savings account and then your 401k, something of a retirement plan. Maybe it's qualified pension plan or something like that. You'll want to make sure that you spend some time listening to Kurt and always. Of course, coming up in just a few minutes, I have two guys that uh, we're going to talk about preparing for retirement if you happen to be at that 40 to 45-year-old age group and some things that you need to think about in planning and just the, the thought about what is it that I need to be planning for, what are my some roadblocks, what am I the crisis, how about my emotions, all of those things can get kind of caught up in when you're planning at that, let's say 40, 45, 50, and you don't wait, you don't want to wait till you're 60, 65 to start planning for it. You want to talk about it and find out what to do now. My guest is Michael Powell, Certified Financial Planner, and he's going to help us dive into that. And the second part of the program after that is we're going to answer your questions about what is the bucket approach. David Rochester here, Retirement Income Professional with the uh, professional consultant on retirement income is going to help us go through that process. What is the bucket approach? So many times when you ask us a question like that, it's something that we think through and we want to help you with because uh, you want to make sure that it's something that fits for you. That's always, always important. Just remind you again that you can find the show 
you know, Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on any podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Schedule to listen to our podcast and leave us a review. We would appreciate it. Always, it's a joy to have you with us. Stay with us because um, we're going to be back and we're going to talk about these subjects that you've asked a question. Now, I remind you, if you ever want to ask a question to the program, just simply all you have to do is go to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Send us your question. We will get it on the air at some point in time. And uh, just to give you a chance to, you know, we'll answer the question. Stay with us. Michael Powell, David Rochester will be back with me in a second. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific situation. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking, of course, to Michael Powell and David Rochester. And, you know, welcome to the program, guys. I want to... Hey, good morning, Jim. Okay. I, I really kind of want to talk about this. I mean, you know, I know our listening audience because we've had some questions about this. And I, I, it's kind of one of those things that you look at and it's kind of important that people talk and ask questions. And, of course, reminding everybody that if you've got a question for Talk Money, just send it to, send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. But, you know, last month, you know, if you look at the, how the S&P 500 really did in, Janu- in January 2022, 65% of the stocks that were in the S&P 500, including 35, 35 individual stocks that lost, they lost at least 15%. So everybody's kind of... taking a deep breath with what's going on with the market, and that's understood. I mean, you know, that's emotional. But, Michael, I really want to lean in with you because both of you guys are going to talk about the approach to retirement, the the emotional side of it, what you have to do. But I want to start with you because you're talking to that age group that sometimes can put that so far in the back of their mind, the, the idea behind retirement planning. And it's kind of a situation where they wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to retire in two years, and they haven't really done, I guess, the preparation that they should have. And that's I've seen that over the years. So, Lily, what would you say, what are you thinking about when you say preparing for retirement for that 40, 45, 50-year-old? Oh, you hit on the head. I mean, most of the time we don't even think about retirement until we get about five years in. But you've got a long not necessarily a working career, but you've got 20, 30 years to plan for after you work. And if you start looking at two or three years beforehand, it's not usually going to turn out in your favor, Jim. But, you know, for us, I think the big thing you got to focus on first is understanding how much income you're going to have in retirement. And we talked about Social Security with Kurt earlier, and that's a lot of great information. And I think more people need to pay attention to that at least on what your benefits are going to be. You can go online right now to ssa.gov and see, based on how much money you're going to make over the next 20, 30 years, what you can expect for Social Security. I walked through a family friend of that earlier, and he could see if I reduce my pay a little bit or if I get a pay raise. You can see all the different scenarios. So that's the one guaranteed source of income we will have, and that's it. 
unless you're lucky enough to have a pension. And a lot of 40- and 50-year-olds, to my knowledge, don't have that luxury anymore. Yeah, pensions are somewhat a thing of the history. You might, excuse me, a thing of the past, you might right. say, from that standpoint. So if you talk about re- preparing, that's a big word. David, as a retirement income certified professional, when we talk about preparing for retirement, how do you, when you say that word, do you think people gain the insight with the word preparing, or is it something, yes, I could do that, but they add another P word, procrastination? Well, I, you're right, Jim, and I think part of it is when they hear preparing, it's like, well, I've already prepared. I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm going to retire when I'm 66. That's my preparation. That doesn't mean they've prepared an analysis to really look at Social Security, like Michael's describing, what their investments are going to be worth at that point, how they're going to generate income. You know, that's that's preparing. It's thinking way in advance. And what do most of us do? We think to the end of the week or the end of the month or the end of the year. Or the end of the round when you ordered it at the, you know, the kiosk and you get around to the, the window. That's that's the that's right. Know, <laughs> we want it done that quick. Where's yeah. the candy bars? That's yeah. all I care about. Yeah, right, right so. now. Yeah. I understand that, and I think what I want us to kind of help people gather today is it's the information. So, Michael, I'm going to ask you this. What do you think? You said Social Security, but but in preparation, the planning side, and procrastination, I actually mentioned that. But what should they be considering? What do you – give me a couple of bullet points that we could say these are things or takeaways for today of what a person should consider. I think you should consider – the lifestyle you live now and what it could potentially be like in the future. I mean, we think about, hey, if I live, and I just did some math earlier today just to give you some perspective, but if I'm a 50-year-old right now and we're living off $100,000 a year in gross income, our normal rule of thumb with planning is you're more than likely going to need to live off about 70% of that. But if I'm just talking about inflation being at 3%, by the time I'm 67, 17 years, that same $70,000 a year that I need to support myself, that today's turns, dollars, today's dollars okay. turns into 150, over $115,000 a year. So it's jumped up over $45,000, and it wasn't anything just because of inflation. And that's been a hot buzzword over the past right. you know, several months. Now you're but using inflation at what rate of rate? I use 3%. 3%. Okay. And that's that's pretty modest, you know. Yeah. Historically, it's lower than that, but futuristically, we don't know. We can never prepare. I mean, we can prepare, and that's you know, looking at hey, what do I need to support myself? And if I am not saving enough in the right avenues, or don't have enough coming in from a social security check or a pension check, I've got to go back and look at where my savings is. Like the three-legged stool you were talking about earlier, Jim. I guess what I'm thinking is, if you say preparing, and again, I think so many people want to prepare, but how much income will you have at retirement? You're saying looking at that is how much you're going to need. To spend. Okay, to spend. That's in your pocket, net after taxes, spending. Right. That's a whole other animal with how much you need to have available for that, like in your 401ks, IRAs, What if you ask that proverbial question and you say, I started too late? Because everybody goes to work, I think, when they think about it, and most people have a retirement plan, a 401k plan. All right, am I? What if I focus too late? Now I'm 55. What would you say to that person? I mean, the better the better time to do it's now. I mean, obviously, if you've left off some time in your life on doing this, I mean, the good news is you can do it now. And most people neglect to see how much they're actually putting away in their like 401k. Uh, hey, I'm putting enough to get my match, and that's it. And people settle for that. 
And people don't realize that they can do a lot more than that. And they have the capability to do it. They're just not used to doing it. So if I'm doing 5% of my paycheck and that's all I've ever done for 15 years, you ought to consider bumping that up because you could obviously afford to do it. It's just one of those different mentality things that you got to get used to. You know, one other thing to keep in mind is, is when you're in your, when you're in your fifties, you know, mid fifties, you said 55, at that point, most couples, kids are out of grade school, maybe even all the way through college. So their freedom for surplus money should be much greater than where it's been in the past. So it's not that people have always just procrastinated they've got a lot of issues tugging at their money so now they can can re you know design what they do with that money and usually that's their maximum earning and savings years okay so we're talking very specifically here look at what you're doing look for the extra dollars you're talking about that's critical and i i think so if i'm looking for all these things where there's got to be a, a silver bullet here guys what am, what is the silver bullet for somebody who's 40 or 50s Michael, I'm going to lean in on you. What, what are you telling them that they've got to do if they're going to think about retirement? You said they got to have, if it's $70,000 they need it in today's dollars, in their pocket, it's about $115,000, $116,000 at 67. Mm-hmm. But help me understand, the, 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 give me some pointers, I mean, some things that i got to do tomorrow. What, you, what are they? You need to start working with a professional. All at right, least, at least to that. have some consider. If you can do it yourself, that's great. But you've got to start forecasting in some way because it's just like any plan you put together, whether it's building a house or uh, you know developing some sort of strategy in your business. I've got to sit down and go through the numbers and look through it from a forecasting standpoint to see if it's actually going to work out or not. Because that's the worst thing you could do is assume it's going to work and never actually test it, whether it's through a professional or it's just on your own. So I think that's. There's no silver bullet, Jim. I wish there was, because otherwise I wouldn't be here. Oh, be, come on, guys! You know, you I would be. already been, you know, I enjoying my retirement. But it's, I guess it's a I'm different looking for that for 40 or 50 year old. He's got a 401k. He's going to have some degree of Social Security. He doesn't know. And I'm thinking, what are we trying to do? We get the question: What do I do if I'm 40 years old? What should I be doing differently? I mean, you've talked to me about things that they ought to look at, you know, is anybody going to depend on them besides their spouse? Or is there going to be a child dependent on them? Is there going to be a parent? You've actually mentioned, is that something they have to take into consideration now? Or should they wait to see if it's still there? What what are you saying? No, I I think it's absolutely critical to think about it now. I mean, I, I know plenty of people in their 50s and early 60s now who are taking care of parents who are in their 80s and 90s. And you may have some Maybe not be lucky enough to have all of your kids out of the house by the time you're 50 or 60. Maybe you had kids later in life, but you may still have to be supporting some of that uh, on the younger generation as well. So, I mean, there's definitely a catch-all there, but you got to prioritize. I mean, are you going to be supporting your kids your whole life, or are you going to be start putting your money for retirement? All right, you, that makes a lot of you sense. You can't borrow money for retirement. Uh, You've got to save it. That's a good point. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back in a second. I want you to give me... I guess three or four or five takeaways that are absolutely spot on so everybody can do that. And then, David, I really want you to answer this question. What is the bucket list or the bucket, not bucket list, excuse me, the bucket approach? I really want people to get that because I think that's a question a lot of people are asking. If you just tuned in, my guest is David Powell and David Rochester (laughs) and Michael Powell. Uh, One of these days I'm going to get it. Michael Powell and David Rochester, we're, going to, we're talking about preparing for retirement, whether you're 40, 50, or even 60. How do you prepare for it? And we're going to answer the question, the bucket approach. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. 
Keep in mind that the primary reason to purchase a life insurance product is the death benefit. Life insurance products contain fees, such as mortality and expense charges, which may increase over time, and may contain restrictions, such as surrender periods. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Michael Powell, David Rochester. We're talking about preparing for retirement, and then we're going to answer the question, the bucket approach. What's it all about? But before we do the bucket approach, let's lay all this down. We've talked about preparation. We've talked about how much income. Uh, Michael did a great job of describing that if you're $70,000 today, that's $115,000 to $120,000 at 3% inflation, just what you would need if you were retiring at 67. So you've got to prepare. You've got to think about that. He talked about don't start too late. You get behind. It's hard to catch up. You can do some things. And he mentioned the fact that's important to do. He talked about you need to understand your personal support. What are you going to need? Try to manage that. Try to prepare for that. Try to think about that. Is uh, David actually mentioned that, you know, when kids leave the house, maybe you've got more accessible money. Put that money towards your retirement. Don't buy the extra car or the extra boat or whatever. Those are those are very critical things. But, Michael, as we kind of nail this down, as you, as a person is looking at retirement, getting ready to retire, what should they absolutely be considering? you got to be considering your current financial situation. How much money do I have saved up so far? Um, also, got to figure out your anticipated assets in the future. Am I receiving inheritances or am I have other assets that I may be drawing income off of and what that income is going to be? Uh, healthcare costs, those are probably the biggest expenses that will rise no matter how old you get. And um, the tax impact on drawing down your assets over time. And then, of course, you know how your in, in current investments are mixed, whether it's like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, things like that. You got to look at all those different aspects to know, you know, are you prepared? And like you said, Jim, I mean, there's so many different factors. There's so, so you, many different factors. Gotta, so let yeah. me clarify that. The current mix of your investment portfolio in other words, I guess if a person's 40, they really can't put all their money in cash. No. That's not smart That's or bonds. Right. they got to be prepared. It's got a long-term horizon, right. so they can put that money to work because it is a long-term horizon. So you've got to make sure you – so that's why they need someone to kind of guide them. We, we just had a 22%, you know, the portfolio drop in the, in the market in the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. We've seen that. We've experienced that. Don't run to cash. How many times have you talked to people that have run to cash and they shouldn't do it? Hundreds. Hundreds. Because yeah. we know – and they're like, I can't get anything in the bank. And I'm like, well, no, you can't. But you also can't afford to get out of the market and – suffer that long-term So a person that's 40 to 50 years old has a long-term time horizon. You have a 50-year time horizon. If I'm going to live to 90, it's not like you're going to pull all your money out at 67 and say, I'm retired. I'm done. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to, even if you're 55, 65 and the market's scaring you, you've got to look 30 years past that. That's a great point. So, so that's a great point. How are you going to pay for health care costs? All that's part of it. So, very well said. Current mix, understand your investment portfolio. Know what current assets you have, what you may have to add. Do some the whole idea behind assets, what you have, and future income, mm-hmm. what you're going to need, which is what you laid out for us. And then how are you going to pay for the health care cost? And that's a real plan for a lot of people. They've got to do some planning about that. And, of course, as you say always, tax impact of drawing down your assets, you've got to do some tax, but it just doesn't go away. That's a great job. That's right. Thank you, sir. Thank very you. much so. Well, David, let me lean in on you. The question is what is the bucket approach? 
Great Jim. question. And it will remind people that if you've got a question for us, to simply send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. It's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. David, what is? So people have probably heard about, a lot of people have heard about the bucket approach. We get questions about it. Have we heard about it? Do we know what it is? And really, it's just a simplified uh, thinking of how do I make sure, how do I, how do I break apart my assets for retirement if I even need to do that? And I think it really comes simply down to this. Michael touched on this just a moment is what we don't want to do and, and as, as investors or as professionals is jump in and out of the market based on market volatility. So when you're retired and you look at your overall portfolio, if it's all in equities, as an example, and those equities take a big drop, if you realize you needed income that much, there, I mean, that month or that year, you're concerned about that loss during that time frame. So the bucket approach would really kind of say, well, why, don't, why not set aside somewhere one, five, ten years of low volatility investments? They could be in cash. I think it makes sense to have maybe one to two years sitting in, in low-yield cash. We know, as, as we said earlier, there is no return, unfortunately, today, particularly if you think back to the 70s and 80s when we were getting you know 13% CD rates on six months. There's no return on cash these days. It's not there for that purpose based on what we're talking about. We're talking about having money to, to pay your bills this year so you don't have to worry about market volatility. So, so is I, that taking it out? That's really taking with that bucket – you're taking out market volatility. That's correct. So the, the emotional side, a person, let me, explain, let me see if I understand. You're saying, I'm going to put X number of dollars needed, maybe six months income, 10 months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, years correct. that I know that's there, regardless of what goes on in the market. I don't have to worry about being able to get through a two-year period. And what you're saying, the market usually is, if it's a recession, two years, kind of average, and you, your money's coming That's back. That's it. I mean, think about the just the logic of it. When we're working, we've got a steady paycheck coming in. Okay, so we don't worry as much about our 401k investments because we know our bills are paid. Our right. paychecks are coming in. Good However, once we stop working, those paychecks change. If, As Michael said earlier, if you're lucky enough to have a pension and you've got Social Security, it may be enough of, enough of a paycheck to meet all your bills, but for most people, it won't be. You're going to have to supplement what you're drawing from Social Security from your assets so that we don't worry about market volatility, keep an amount of assets available, liquid, that you're comfortable with, and then we grow, or you grow, the remainder of that for future use. Okay, Michael? Uh, well, I mean, the point is, though, I know you work with a lot of people. Would you apply this to a 40-year-old, 45, 50-year-old? Oh, yeah. I mean, you already do it now. If you think about it, I get my bills paid. It comes out of my checking account. I got an emergency fund. Uh, okay. Maybe it's in my savings account. I've got a retirement bucket, 401k, IRA. So, I mean, we're already kind of doing that without even thinking about it. But you got to just think of those different mindsets of like, okay, 401k is when I'm 60, when I'm 70. I'm, I'm 30 today. Not worried about it. I got a paycheck. Got it. But yeah. it's a different mindset when you're 60 and 70. That's exactly sure. right. So oh. if I'm in my 60s, I'm thinking about today, not gearing. I'm not gearing up for retirement. I'm right at or I'm already in retirement. All right. Now let's go to this this point then. So now we've taken the person to 40, 50. He said he got the bucket approach, and I see that. I see what he's talking about. So is the bucket approach, when we think of this, when you're looking at that 18 to 24 months, maybe even longer, 36 months. Is that for a person already retired? It's somebody right at retirement or already retired, yes. Because when you think about it, they may not be retired yet. They may be within a year or two years. 
But that switch is fixing to change. They, we've, it's already been determined. This is the date that they're going to retire. So we need to know because anything can happen. I mean, we remember years where the market took a big hit, and it dramatically affected people's view on retirement. Nice. So if we can take that, that emotional fear out of it by having enough cash, we can stay invested. All right. You're talking about bucket number one. Correct. Okay. That's all the liquid or not just liquid. Maybe it's maybe it's bond, whatever it is. Get a professional like you guys to help them understand. Right. But you're taking some of that emotional gyration that goes on when the market's down, like we've had in January. That's it. And that's exactly why the listener wanted to know more about the bucket approach. Now, I know this is coming from an article that you read in the Morning Star, and also you're a retirement income professional, so the bottom line is certified professional. It's also from the American College. Is also written That's correct. Material. So there's a lot of material out there. In fact, it's overwhelming. And this is just, uh, this. I know this is going to sound like a very simplified approach, and it's, it's as much emotional and psychological as anything. Like Michael said, a lot of times we're already doing this to some degree. It's just being very specific about what we're trying to achieve. All right. In the remaining few minutes, we got bucket number two. Bucket number two does not really look like bucket number one. Oh, we ought one. to do this behind door number one. That's right. Door number two. No, That's right. Bucket number two. Bucket number two is not going to be heavy in cash. Bucket number two is still probably going to be a little more low volatility. It's going to be geared more towards income producing, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment. But something that's going to be, as you said, maybe more bonds, um, dividend-paying equities. So something's going to generate income. We really look for bucket two to generate income. Now I'll go ahead and step forward. Why is that important? Well, we talked about minimizing volatility. But as we drain down bucket number one for our monthly expenses and or uh, emergencies, we've got to replenish it. We've got to redeploy assets to that. We may choose to take income out of bucket number two, the dividends, the bond interest, any type of interest, and we may pay that over into bucket one to replenish that along the way. I, I, when I think about it, I think about the water feature. You ever seen the water feature where you got, you're walking through somebody's garden, they got the water coming through the pump and it kind of flows down? Well, there you go. Bucket number one's at the bottom and it flows down from the top. So that's, that's why you have bucket number two. Okay, now bucket number three. Bucket number three, that's growth. We're thinking about 15, 16 years in the future. I didn't mention this, but in bucket two, that, that's probably years six through 10, six through 15. But as Michael said, we may be looking at a 30-year retirement. Mm. So bucket number three is going to be much more growth-oriented. We're going to have equities in there that give potential for long-term growth. However, let me say, there's also potential for short-term loss, which is why you don't want to sell out of bucket number three when the market's down or you realize a loss. Great advice. Now, let me see if I can tie this together. Three buckets, seemingly, to my opinion, it looks like they're all tied to need. Zero to two years. That's short-term. That's right. That's income. I need my income. Something like a three to nine years is kind of a little bit less risk, but I, I want to make sure it's invested, but... Don't want to take too much risk. Right. I don't want to make zero return, but I don't want to take a lot of risks. Okay. Then well. bucket number three is 10 years and far further. At Just least. Really, it's it 15 run. years and beyond. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. That's so important, guys. That's uh, So what would you summarize? Just to, you know, well, I tell you what, I hadn't got time. We'll do this again another time. Okay. I sounds great. I think the bucket question, though, is very, very important. If you would like to talk to these guys, Michael Powell or David Rochester, just give them a call at 757-5757, area code 901. If you'd like to talk to Kurt Zarnowski, you can also call him at 901. 
1-877-757-5757. Michael, David, thank you so much, guys. Oh, yeah, appreciate welcome, it. Thank you, Jim. Always good to have these guys on because they talk about things that are so practical and so important. You can find our show, Talk Money, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We would appreciate it. Next week, my guest, Scott Jordan, Drew Johnson, answering your questions about portfolio construction, the economy, and you and your 401k. That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. Always information, always education, and we hope somewhat entertaining. If you have questions, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you so much for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.